Who's been going through a crazy year so far? Yeah, 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 all the hands going up. But what can we do through all that? Praise God through all things. And there is um, a value that we have here as a church. We've been highlighting a couple of these over the past few weeks. But one of these is constantly glorifying. So as we go through all of the ups, the downs, and this morning we're actually going to be talking about a bit of giving thanks through those situations as well. We, in our heart, as we have that value of constantly glorifying, we recognize that no matter what happens, no matter the good, the bad, or whatever, God is still good. He is still in that position. He is still over all things. So um, it has just been a something that's ringing through, even the songs that we've been singing this morning. Obviously, God, you're so good, and 10,000 reasons. We have so many reasons to bless God. So as we head into this year, as we Listen on as um, Pastor On shares this morning. May we have that attitude of constantly glorifying God. And as we look at giving thanks, may that help us have the best year. So listen in. I think my mic's working. I'm just making sure. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, wonderful to uh, be with you. And we're into the fourth week of our series called The Best Year. And if you're a guest with us this morning, first time with us, um, or come back as a guest still, I I just want to welcome you. Thank you for being part of today's service. Um, I think today's message is part of this series is one of the highlights. Um, It may be slightly eclipsed by next week, but you'll have to figure that out for yourself. But we're in this series called The Best Year. So I want to ask you, is that just a sermon title or is it, could it be a reality for us? And if I'm being completely honest, and I usually are, always are, And my immediate reaction to that title is, whatever, you know, the best year, we say it every year. And when Jasmine and I were discussing sermon series titles um, earlier or late last year, um, the best year wasn't the one that jumped off the page for me. And um, I mean, we always plan at the beginning of a year that this coming year will be the best year, right? That's what most of us hope for and plan for as much as we're able to in the coming year. But the reality is we just don't have, our, have, have control over the circumstances that we face every year. We can't control the things that happen to us that turn in an unexpected way and can turn a, a, what we expect as a good year into an ordinary year, or worse still, a horrible year. I mean, lots of things can go wrong that are far, far out of our control. The washing machine overflows and the water goes through all your uh, cabinets and cupboards and all your laundry cupboards have to be replaced. That's not a good start to a year. The bills that you get in over this time because things are happening in our life are far more higher than what our paychecks coming in are going to cope with. And so that doesn't set us up for a good year. Your adult child who moved away some time again has come to live with you again. 
that could be a bad year. You could get that bad diagnosis that you were hopefully never thinking of or what not you weren't expecting, certainly, and it's a reality now. That turns a good year potentially into an ordinary or bad year. Or maybe you have an accident that leaves you struggling physically or financially or emotionally. It suddenly turns what could be a good year into an ordinary year again. Or crazy weather events leave us without an income or without a home. And suddenly we're struggling for this year to be a good year. And the list could go on and on and on with innumerable amounts of circumstances or unplanned, unwanted events that can turn the intention of having a good year into a nightmare. Just think back two years to 2020 when our entire world of freedom was thrown into chaos. It was thrown out the window in the name of a thing that we have called COVID. So how, as we start out in this new year as Christians, can we set a good example of how we might approach this new year? Is it even possible for us in this culture, in this time, to have the best year? And I believe the answer is yes. I believe that as Christians, the answer should be yes. And today I want to look at the next in this series, and Jono mentioned it before, alluded to it at least, in our list of resolutions of types that we are needing to implement if we want to set ourselves on the right path to make this the best year. And this morning we are going to be talking about being thankful in all circumstances, giving thanks. Are you, ex are you frustrated and irritated when unexpected things turn up, pop up? Or do you see them as an opportunity? I, my da I've mentioned this before, but my dad sees, says that there's no such things as problems, they're all just opportunities. Or challenges is the other word that he sometimes uses. No such thing as a problem, just challenges to be overcome. Just challenges to be faced and, uh, and work through opportunities that we might be able to learn from. And I would like to say that I, I agree with, I, I think like that too. I live my life like that, but in light of full transparency, I too often see them as problems. Things pop up and my immediate response is to go, oh, not again. And it becomes a problem to me. My ideal would be a smooth, no troubles journey through life with no bumps, smooth sailing. And you know what? I reckon I could actually have no problem being thankful in all circumstances if that was the case. But the reality is that I then read in scriptures, not just because I'm a pastor, but we read in scriptures where Paul says that we are to be, in 1 Thessalonians 5, thankful in all circumstances. <clears throat> Why? For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances 
because this is God's will. And then James, the half-brother of Jesus, he says this in his epistle. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your, come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What are we supposed to do with that? Troubles, an opportunity for great joy, and I could give you verse after verse after verse through Scripture where King David and his struggles and Job and his struggles and the Apostle Paul and his struggles and others who suffered, who, were, who lost family, who were shipwrecked, who were stoned, who were whipped, who went through all kinds of separation from their family, abandoned, left for dead. And at the each and every one of them were able to come to a point where they gave thanks to our Heavenly Father. They praised God. And at a time when Paul was chained up in prison, praying to a, chained to a prison guard, he was able to say in Philippians, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. So here's Paul in the middle of a jail cell, chained to a guard, and he's still rejoicing. Be thankful in all circumstances. How is that even possible? How is it possible that we would be even able to give thanks in all circumstances, regardless of the circumstance? That's what I want to share with you today, because I do believe that it is possible. And I believe that it's not only possible, but that I believe that it's how God intends for his children to live every single day. That we are to have victory over the struggles, that the struggles are not the end in themselves, but a process toward Christ-likeness. There are going to be times when we do find struggles and we're going to have to face things for head on. But we can have the confidence that God will use those times and those struggles to bring glory to his name. So that's, I want to start with the first point. If you're following along in your notes this morning, the first words to write in on number point number one is we give thanks because of who we are. <clears throat> we give thanks because of who we are. I've often quoted Neil Anderson and in saying that it's not what we do that determines who we are, it's who we are that determines what we do. And that's true. It's as true in every other situation as much as it's true in when we talk about giving thanks. Giving thanks is not something that we do to make ourselves look Christian or to look more holy but it's a command that we are given so that we give thanks because we are, a, we are a Christ follower, because we are a Christian. Why can Paul say we can be thankful in all circumstances? Because all things, John 1 tells us, all things were made through him. Not Paul, but God. Nothing else was made, sorry, and without him, nothing was made that was made. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Paul says the same thing in Colossians. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And since all things were made by God for him, 
our only <clears throat> oh, excuse me our only response to these old circumstances is to say thank you how else can we respond to a god who knows intimately your life and my life knows what's best for us and yet he still allows us to go through these times despite that we just sang a song before <clears throat> And it said, and and one of the verses or part of the part of the song talks about this life. In this life, we might it might bring suffering, but I will remember and get to the and give thanks for Calvary, the suffering that happened on Calvary. Because out of the suffering of Calvary came good. And even though this life might bring suffering, and I would suggest it's not might but will bring suffering. We can be thankful in all circumstances. The very reason we were created was to worship our Heavenly Father. And that's why we exist. And when we gave our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, the attitude change that we have or took place at that point comes from a new life in him. If you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, can I just say the, the change, the life change that you will experience is huge. It's not just now I have to do stuff, but it changes our attitude to actually I want to. And that's a significant change. Everything takes on a brand new perspective. When we're not made to grumble and complain over God's gifts to us, which, which include difficulties, by the way. But rather, we are created to recognise God's sovereignty and to give him thanks, even in the midst of difficulties. And God doesn't always take away the struggles and problems that we have because it's his desire that we grow spiritually. It's because of who we are in him that he allows us to go through difficulties so that our character might be strengthened. Romans 5 says, not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And now hope doesn't even disappoint us because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given up to us. Because of who you are in Christ, God uses those times to encourage us and to bring hope into our life. They're times of growth, they're, they're times of strengthening our character. But unless we keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we are going to find that we are going to be prone to losing the opportunity for growth that this is there every single time and it will become a distraction. So rather than seeing this suffering as, as a, an opportunity when we lose our focus, that's all we focus on. <clears throat> and it becomes the problem in our life. And we don't do what we've been called to do. We begin to focus on the problem, not the cause. And so when that happens, we become so consumed with what's happening that we neglect the things that we're supposed to be doing. And that's exactly what I see has happened over the past two years with COVID. It's been front and foremost on every news 
bulletin since March or probably January last, two years ago. And it continues to be so. Why? I have no idea. But it's distracting. It's keeping us away from the most important issue or the more important stuff. God's word has never been in lockdown. It is never going to be in lockdown and his mandate is still to go into this world and make disciples and that has not changed ever. He has never restricted us from going into our world because that's what we are called and made to do because of who we are in him. Our mission is the same as it's always been, yet we have often in the process of things been distracted by our inability to do the things that we're supposed to because our focus has been distracted on the things that we shouldn't be thinking about. That's why week one we talked about controlling our minds. Pastor Jasmine shared week two when we talked about guarding our heart out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you, know, if you want to know what your heart looks like, listen to what you're saying. The kind of stuff that comes out. We need to recognise that we have missed an opportunity if that's where we head. There's opportunities of learning new processes to do what we've been called to do, implementing some new ideas, reaching out in ways that we hadn't even thought of because of who we are in Christ. Our mandate does not change in that. We need to embrace the problem, trusting the Lord despite the difficulties that it will bring and develop perseverance and character and hope in us so that we are able to, to not just quit and walk away, but we are to persevere and endure to the end, not losing our faith. So the appropriate response for us ought to be in Psalm 107, verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And then the psalmist goes on in, in, verse, in chapter 107 and talks about all the past of history that Israel went through. He goes on verse, verse 4. He says, They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way, talking about the Israelites. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works of the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. And those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons because they rebelled against the words of God and they despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought them down or brought down their heart with labor and they fell down and there was none there to help. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distress and he brought them in out of the darkness and the shadow of death and he broke their chains in the peace into pieces oh that men would give thanks to the lord for his goodness and for the wonderful works of the children of men for he has broken the gate of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two fools became because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted 
Their soul abhorred all manner of food and they drew near to the gates of death. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And guess what? He saved them out of their distresses. And he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for the wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. And then there are those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters and they see the works of the Lord and his wonder in the deep. For he commands and raises a stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens and they go down to the depths and their soul melts because of their trouble. They reel to and fro, stagger like drunken men and are at their wits end. And then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm, storm so that its waves are still and then they're glad because they're quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for the wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of people and praise him in the company of elders. He turns rivers into, into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry land into spring, water springs. And there he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for the dwelling place and sow fields and plant vineyards that they might yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease. When they're diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet he sets the poor on high far from affliction and makes their families like a flock. The righteous see it and rejoice and all iniquity stops its mouth. Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord and his goodness. We see it in our world, all around stuff that is happening and we cry out to the Lord and he answers our prayer and he gets us through and we go on with life just being thankful that we don't have to put up with it anymore. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and to the children of men. Giving thanks is, is a result of who we are. Number two, giving thanks is an act of obedience. And I'm not going to kid anyone that it's easy to give thanks in all circumstances because I find that even though I know I, know I ought to be giving thanks in all circumstances, it's easier to sulk. It's easier to become isolated and, and stay at home. And, and then I think about that as, as later, much later, because it's usually not in the midst of that, but when did obedience ever come at no cost? Obedience is costly. When has it ever been easier to go against the natural desires of the heart? Absolutely never. And here's the thing, that giving God thanks in bad situations or bad circumstances will not and does not change the circumstance, but it always changes us in the circumstance. Being able to give God thanks 
in all circumstances will not take the circumstance away, but it will change my heart. It will change your heart. The reality is that we cannot control the events and circumstances of our life, but we can, however, learn to control our reactions to them, which helps us deal and manage as time goes on with the many challenges that we're going to face. It gives us a standard to which we need to stay by. Giving thanks redirects our minds in, onto good things, onto the things that are good and noble and right and true excellent and praiseworthy, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever of good report, they're the things that our mind will be directed to. The circumstances don't change, but our reaction to them can. And, and we cannot change anyone or anything ourselves. But the reality of that is we can change ourselves and our response to those things. That's our choice. And we have the power to do that, even more so because of who we are. And if we're giving thanks and rejoicing, even in our difficulties, we're not grumbling and complaining. Paul says in Philippians 2, he says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world of crooked and perverse people. We, we need to shine, not grumbling and complaining like everyone else. We're to be different if we are children of God, and that is who we are. Our response should always be rejoicing in all circumstances. And again, Paul says, rejoice. Be thankful. It requires an absolute shift in our thinking and remembering that God uses even the worst case scenario for his glory. That's not to say that we should always be smiling, by the way. That doesn't mean that we go around with this fake smile thinking, yeah, it's all cool. It's not always all cool. Sometimes things in life are bad and we should mourn and we need to be at times upset with the way things are. But it's in these moments that God asks us to thank him regardless. Perhaps one of the best examples of this in scripture is when Jesus is in the upper room just before his crucifixion and he's with his disciples and the Bible tells us that he took bread and he gave thanks for it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which has been given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. What was about to take place? Jesus was about to face the judgment of man and be found guilty. That's exactly, Jesus knew that. He was about to be dragged before a court, ridiculed, spat upon, whipped, beaten within an inch of his life. He was about to have a crown of thorns thrust upon his head and have nails driven through his hands and feet. And what does the scripture say? He took the bread and he used that as an illustration of his body, of what he was about to go through. And it says he gave thanks. Don't try and convince me that he gave thanks for the way things were going to be, for the circumstances as themselves, and forget it at that. The circumstances did not change. 
but it's through the circumstances that everything changed. And the trials that we have in our lives are not, are not pointless. God has a purpose for everything and even the bad things that come into our life. And we not, might not be able to see the good always. But God can see the whole picture. He sees it from beginning to end. And we can absolutely have hope in knowing that our suffering is not in vain. But rather, it's part of God's greater purpose for us personally and for the greater good. And that's why we can be confident that we are able to give thanks in all circumstances. Colossians 3 says, And whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. With the First Thessalonians 5 passage we read earlier, verse 18 finishes off with this words, For it is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What is the will of God? Well, to put 1 Thessalonians 5 into a little bit more context, let, let's read the couple of verses before from verse 16 through to 18. This is what it says. Always be joyful, never stop praying. And then the verse we read, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. There's what God's will is for us. To ne always be joyful, never stop praying, and always be thankful in all circumstances. God's will in Christ Jesus is that you will have constant joy, constant prayer, constant thankfulness. It's an act of obedience that these things can happen. We won't always feel like it, but it's because of who we are. That determines what we do. We're a Christ follower. That changes everything. And there will be the option to do the opposite every single time. But because of who we are, that will determine what we're going to do or should. And number three, let, what makes it hard in giving thanks? I'm going to zip through these fairly quickly. There's seven things here that I want us to share. What makes it hard? Because it is hard. It's not easy. But if we can rectify these hard things, maybe it will help. I struggle in this as much as anyone does and it would be hypocritical of me to say anything else otherwise. I wish I had all these things sorted out in my life. I wish I did. But I too revert to focusing on the problem too often rather than the solution. And I think that there are a number of reasons why this may be the case. But with each of these comes a, a solution. Each one of these is something that we can work on. And maybe you need to work on one of these or two of these or seven of these. Work on them one at a time if that's the case. And I think the first thing that, we, that can cause us to make it hard or, or, or doubt that this will happen is that we doubt God's character. We might not say this out loud. Most of us, most of us who have given our heart to the Lord, all of us hopefully, would say, you know, I don't doubt God's character. I know he can do all things for all things, all purposes, all times. But behind our inability to trust him is that we're, we're a little unsure that he can be trusted. I prayed and nothing happened. And you know, I don't know if God's going to do that. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if this is really in alignment with what God wants me to do. If we doubt God's truthfulness and his character, we'll have trouble being thankful because we're not sure that we're going to keep his promise, that he will keep his promise to make all things work out for good. If we doubt his character... 
then we're going to struggle to give, be thankful. Or we trust that he is good, has good intentions, but we doubt that he has the power or the desire to deal with those issues. Some of us even question God's love for us. We say, God would never let that happen if he really loved me. These doubts poison the springs of a redeemed heart that should be overflowing with gratitude. And here's the thing in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, God will make these things happen for he who calls you is faithful. So he is faithful. Selfishness is number two. There's an attitude that says I'm not content with the way God is working things out in my life. I, I, he just got it wrong. Wrong place, wrong time. I was born for a different time than this. It's not what I wanted, not what I desire. If God, if God doesn't come in and fit my picture perfectly, then our self will begin to override the, the plan that God has for us. We need to be careful of that. It's selfishness. Our self-will begins to run over God's plan. And a thankless spirit is the result of that. Because we do things in our own strength. And here's the thing. Psalm 18 says God's way is perfect. And all the Lord's promises prove true. Again, referring to character. But he is a shield for all who look to him for protection. He will come through. Let's not be selfish in where we're looking, but look to our heavenly father. Thirdly, the love of the world. If we, we get consumed with the love of the world, we've spoken about this many times over the past few months, actually. But when our vision is filled with pleasure, prominence and possessions that this world can offer, they, we will have no cause for thanksgiving because we will have the understanding that we've worked hard for that. They're mine. I've done the work. I've put in the effort. I've done the saving. I've worked my life, my butt off to get something done. I don't need to be thankful for God. He's done nothing for my life. That's what happens when we love the world and we don't see things from the right perspective. When everything we've attached our affection to, though, doesn't fulfill our goals or our desires of our heart, it causes us to be ungrateful. There's an old hymn, there's words in it that says, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. And that's the heart of the Christian vision. Lord, you be the one that guides me. My love is in you, not in the world. The stuff of the world is going to pass away, but you are faithful. And we need to say to the Lord, it's you that I see, and it's you that I long for. It's you that I love. Fourthly, a critical spirit. A critical spirit can make it hard for us to give thanks in all circumstances because it, it, it criticizes everything that isn't exactly the way that we want it to be. It rises from this ego that says, I deserve better than this. I, I, it says, I've been hurt and I've been wounded by someone and I'm going to take it out on somebody and I'm going to take that pain and I'm going to let it run through the rest of my life. Everyone's going to know it. Everyone's going to feel it because I've been wronged. And it will run th through the rest of your life unless it's dealt with. 
It will control how your outcome turns out unless it's dealt with. And it will ruin the rest of your life and potentially it has, or it has the potential to ruin your family from that point on. And the next generation and the next generation and the next generation until it's dealt with. A critical spirit. Impatience is, num- is E. I, I, I kind of get a little impatient on some things. I'm better than I used to be, I've got to say that. I, I, I was very much more impatient, I'm much more patient these days than I ever was, but we can be guilty of trying to make God work to our timetable. Rarely do I hear anyone say, oh, thank you Lord, because I actually see your timetable. I see that you're holding back and that's wonderful and I thank you for that. Usually it's quite the opposite prayer. Lord, you know what's going on. Do something. Do it now. I want it, and I want it now. And we need to learn to thank God for the process that he's putting us through because of things that we've already spoken about. But Proverbs 16, 9 says, We make our plans, or we can plan out, make our plans, but it's the Lord who determines the steps. In other words, we have ideas and plans that we put in place, but it's God who's going to make things turn out. So we can either stick to our own plan and get grumpy at God or we can recognise that God's plan will be superior to our plan and give thanks in all circumstances. Let's not be impatient with him. He knows the day, he knows the time, he knows the season. F, one of my favourite words, mediocrity. I don't know why it's favourite, I just like the way it rolls off your tongue, mediocrity. And we, we can call it lethargy or, or apathy, but it's, it, what it means is that we have a, a lack of love for Christ. We lack passion in worship and we neglect the reading of the, the word of God and we neglect prayer because it's, you know, it, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll get round to it and I'll do it in my own time. It, but it leaves us empty and spiritually indifferent to things. Apathy, mediocrity, and consequently, because of that, our hearts have no gratitude. How can we be grateful for things that we've not even experienced in that way? Our hearts have no gratitude. If the answer to that is to fall in love with the Lord again, worship and adore him, give praise to him, glory in his name, celebrate him. And finally, rebellion is the last that I think makes it hard for us to give thanks if we're not careful, our rebellion against God isn't, isn't going to, because life isn't what we expected, it's not going to come out the right way. We rebel against God because it's not what we wanted. It's a little bit like selfishness. But it comes out, this rebellion is stubbornness. It leaves us ungrateful and unthankful. And we get the attitude that, you know what, I'm mad and I'm unthankful and I know it and I don't care. And I'm going to stay unthankful and ungrateful and mad until someone picks their game up and fixes the problem. I'm just going to be stubborn and stuck in my ways. That's how we can be. It's hard to give thanks in all circumstances if our heart is hard and rebellious. We can either stay rebellious and unthankful or we can recognise that rebellion is sin. And turn back to him and allow him to control 
our lives. And if any of those seven attitudes or seven responses invades our heart, we're defying the instruction of the New Testament, which tells us that we ought to be always thankful for our salvation and for the unending blessings of God. Be thankful in all circumstances. And to be honest, we, we really just can't drum up this attitude of thankfulness on our own. We just can't say, well, okay, I'm going to be thankful from now on. It just doesn't seem to work like that. And that's why it's God who works in us as well to, to do his will and to do his good pleasure in us as we trust him. You and I need the Holy Spirit. We need the presence of God in our life. We need help to do this. It's physically, humanly impossible to give thanks in all circumstances without God being the center. Working in us, making us thankful, giving us reason to be thankful, working in through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we're filled with the Spirit, he produces in us a grateful heart. And what happens when we're grateful? God gets glorified. God is the one who gets the honor. We are blessed in the process. The church begins to be built up and the lost have begun to be reached. There is salvation in the homes of many and we have a wonderful, in fact, we have a tremendous impact on the world when that starts to happen. And it starts with being thankful in all circumstances. And we could have this impact if only, if only we would practice thanksgiving. And I'm not suggesting that we don't do that privately, we don't do it at times, but I, I think most of us struggle with it in all circumstances. That's the problem. That's that all means all and that's all means word. So we can choose to continue the grumbling, complaining, whining, or we can decide that, you know what, God is at work. And I'm grateful that he is because I would have no hope apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that would be me. There would be no reason to give thanks if God was not in control. And he is. Because of who we are, we should know that. And it's an act of obedience in the process. Let's, let me pray. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness your love of mankind, that you desire that we grow and mature and, and come to a point of repentance, that we might know you and be true to your word. Help us this week, Father, to be thankful in all circumstances. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful works that you have given to the children of men. You've worked through all sorts of things for us this week in our own lives personally and corporately. Lord, we've asked you for things. We've, you've answered our prayers. and Forgive us if we've not been thankful for the circumstance that we found ourselves in. Examine our hearts today. And if there's anything, Father, that needs correcting, any sinfulness, error, hard-heartedness, 
act or character problem that's there, Father, we ask that you might reveal it to us, that we might confess it to you this morning and give thanks to you for your goodness and for the wonderful works that you give to us day by day. May your name be honoured and your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.